Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, if the price of feed grain remains at current high levels, consumers can expect to continue higher meat prices in the supermarket combination of factors including shortages of locally produced feed grains due to last year's drought, transportation challenges because of COVID-19, and generally higher global grain prices due to the war in Ukraine have pushed grain prices to record levels. Florian Posberg, a partner with Polar Pork Farms, says if grain prices are going to be at a higher level longer term and grain isn't short supply, the price is going to be higher and that will have to be reflected in meat prices. Saskatchewan Pulse growers entered into a plant breeding agreement with Lima Grain Field Seeds. This will likely be the first in a series of deals the provincial group makes with private companies following the end of a long-term agreement with the University of Saskatchewan Crop Development Centre. Carl Potts, the executive director of Sask Pulse, says a new environment will encourage multiple pulse crops breeding programs and a transition from a royalty-free system to growers paying for access to new varieties like they do for other crops. He will outline the deal with Lima Grain. After the break, Florian Posberg. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarland. I'm speaking with Florian Posberg with Polar Pork Farms. We're going to be discussing pork prices right now. And Florian, just to kind of get us up to speed, maybe uh, just step back and explain to us what pork producers were facing this spring. Well, um, our, our ability to to produce at low cost has really been affected by the uh, the change in the pricing of uh, grains. Are of course uh, a very significant part of our cost is is to do with feed cost and uh, grain prices. Whether it's wheat, barley, peas, uh, uh, went up considerably in dollars per bushel, but even at the higher prices, uh, supply of uh, barley and wheat and, and peas uh, were, were very restricted in terms of uh, where you could access, where you could find it. So that uh, that really impacted our uh, the cost of producing pork. Uh, our prices haven't been that bad by historical standards, so... Uh, you know, we weren't being squeezed by uh, what we received for our hogs, uh, but we certainly had the cost of production go up significantly because of supply and uh, and price of, of our uh, feed grains. Florian, how has the feed situation and access to feed evolved over these past few months? In terms of... Uh, Long term, one of the strengths we've had in Western Canada is that we've had feed grains available to uh, feed our livestock uh, because of the drought and uh, you know the demand for our, our grains in uh, in export. We really saw the the pipeline of feed grains disappear locally. So what we've had to do is establish uh, access to corn. Uh, mostly from the U.S. and uh, Manitoba, where there is some corn production there. 
to offset our inability to access feed wheat and uh, barley. So uh, we've been able to set up some some uh, ways of of getting uh, those grains uh, corn into Western Canada. Um, so uh, we've we've brought some uh, corn up by rail, for example, which we've never really done much of before. So we we were able to establish these pipelines to uh, uh, replace the grains that aren't available locally with uh, uh, corn. So um, it, it's not ideal for us to do that, but uh, we have to feed our animals. So um, th- that has been a, a way that we can offset that, that loss of local production. So how have uh, costs of inputs balanced out with the actual hog prices in terms of profitability? Because the feed prices have, uh, in some cases, more than doubled uh, in the last year, um, and that being a significant part of our, our cost structure, uh, even though uh, we've had historically good hog prices, it still caused um, some of our producers to to lose money feeding hogs, and um, you know we we don't know how long that's going to last, but uh, you know we are hoping that uh, that's one of the the things that will become more normalized again. As uh, hopefully we've got a better crop coming this year. What has the influence been uh, as far as the war in Ukraine on the situation on uh, hog farms? Well, it would appear that the instability in in uh, Ukraine and Russia has uh, caused grain prices to increase, or it appears that way. Um, we don't, of course, access any of that grain here. But it does affect uh, grain prices globally, so that has impacted uh, our cost of feeding hogs as well. Uh, longer term, um, a lot of the fertilizer or significant part of the fertilizer that's used globally was produced in Russia and Ukraine, and that was uh, interrupted uh, and um, destabilized as well because of the uh, war between uh, Russia and, and uh, Ukraine. So less fertilizer means likely we're going to have uh, lower crop yields. And, uh, of course, if uh, we don't have uh, more crop uh, produced than consumption, uh, it's hard to to see how we can see lower grain prices. So that might have a, a significant longer-term effect on our, our business. And what does all this suggest in terms of food security in, in some of these countries? Well, the real challenge for for the globe is that uh, um, increase in, in grain prices affects not only hog production, but uh, all other meats, uh, beef, uh, uh, chickens, uh, you know, every, everything uh, has a higher cost structure. 
if producers aren't making money, they're they're going to back off on production, uh, and that means there's less uh, meat protein for everybody everywhere. And so, um, you know, that's uh, that affects our food security. Um, it's uh, something that we've haven't faced because. Generally, we've had abundant grain supplies, and uh, you know the, the, the ability to, to feed uh, livestock uh, was was not hampered by grain production, and so now we're seeing that, and and it, it will affect uh, food security. What do you feel needs to be done to improve the situation at this point? Well, it would be nice if. Uh, the uh, Ukraine-Russian conflict was resolved, and that could be normalized. Um, it would be good to have uh, a good crop in in uh, North America, particularly in Western Canada. That would certainly help us locally, and uh, help the, the the grain situation in in North America. Um, and quite frankly, if uh, if Grain prices are going to be at a higher level longer term. Um, there's no question that meat prices will go up um, because farmers can't produce longer term at a loss. So um, we'll wait and see. Uh, traditionally, we've had uh, significant enough grain production that uh, grain has been relatively modestly priced. Um, but um, you know, if uh, if grain is in short supply, the price that it's going to be is higher, and uh, it's going to have to be reflected in our meat prices. As a uh, pork producer, quite frankly, we would like to be able to uh, produce wholesome pork for our consumers at a reasonable price, and. Uh, our hope is really that we can get to a price structure that the average consumer can enjoy uh, our bacon and pork chops uh, in their home on a regular basis. So we'll see. Uh, as producers, we don't control what the um, the market realities are. We're we're price acceptors, not uh, price makers. So. We'll wait and see, but we're we're cheering for the consumer. Florian Posberg is a partner with Polar Pork Farms. After the break, Carl Potts with Saskatchewan Pulse Growers talks about a new plant breeding agreement with Lima Grain Field Seeds will be the first of many agreements to be signed for the organization. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. I'm speaking with Carl Ponce, the executive director of the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers Association, and we're going to be talking about a new plant breeding agreement that the organization has signed with Lima Grain Field Seeds. Uh, Carl, explain why this was an important agreement to reach. For many years, we have been supporting pulse breeding research at the University of Saskatchewan. Uh, with one really one large partner being the university and we're moving to uh, a new model where we expect to be having collaborations and making breeding investments with multiple partners and lima grain is uh, is the first one in that new model 
Can you explain for us what the difference is between the two models? Uh, you know, as the industry has grown over the years, you know, we, we want to create an environment where we have attraction of, of investment to this sector. So the acres seeded to pulse crops have increased over the years. And we think having more breeders in the space, more investment in the space can help deliver even better varieties for farmers in the long run. So that's why it's significant. How did this agreement with uh, Lima Grain come about? And, and I guess maybe explain a little bit about why this is important and the first uh, organization to really kind of get the ball rolling in this area. When we were uh, discussing with the university and they were interested in moving to a different model than we've had in the past, that really had us thinking about you know, what's our place in, in impulse breeding and, and how do we move forward. So uh, we began talking with uh, other organizations that are involved in, in breeding and Lima Grain was, uh, was very interested. They have a, a cereals breeding program uh, based here in Saskatchewan. This new pulse breeding program will be based here in Saskatoon and focused on uh, varieties for Saskatchewan producers. So given Lima Grain's significant global footprint in the seed business, significant footprint here in Saskatchewan, this one really makes, made sense for us uh, to work together on. Did you set a time limit on this agreement or does it extend indefinitely? Breeding is a, is a long-term game. So we expect for this partnership to be in place for a, lo- you know, a long period of time. Initially, we have a six-year term, but fully expect that to continue on well past six years. Now, we know that plant breeding is not a cheap venture. So maybe talk to us about how the funding is being handled Uh uh, who's got skin in the game, uh, SAS Pulse Growers, Lima Grain, who is involved uh, from the financial end? Both parties are contributing uh, dollars to this collaboration, um, you know, roughly equal uh, shares, so really equal partners in this new collaboration. We're providing funding, uh, Lima Grain is, pr- is providing funding, but they're bringing me the expertise on breeding and variety development and on seed commercialization as well. Will the royalties be shared then? Yeah, that's our, our plan. So when new varieties would be uh, released, you know, farmers will be paying royalties as they do in, in other crops. Uh, SPG will retain a share of those royalties and will make uh, reinvest those dollars back into breeding, into other research, market development of uh, priority to farmers. What are the priorities uh, with this agreement with Lima Grain, uh, primarily peas and lentils, I understand? Peas and lentils is the, are the two crops that we're focused on. And, uh, of course, in, in any breeding and variety of development program, yield is a very important factor. But, you know, in addition to that, we're going to be focusing on root disease in both pea and lentil. So trying to bring aphanomyces resistance into both of those crops. We are interested in additional herbicide tolerance platforms for lentils as well. And as we transition more to an, an ingredient-based market, Levels of protein uh, and other end-use functionality will be important as well. Will this be the first of a number of deals that SPG signs with various crop companies and breeders? Yeah, we, we fully expect that that will be the case. That is, is our intent. Um, you know, this is, is, is the first one, but you know, we expect to be providing support and, and partnership public and perhaps additional private breeding programs as well. How long before we see results, and is this something Lima Grain has already been working on? They haven't been doing work, uh, breeding work in Saskatchewan or in Canada, so this is new. They have pulse breeding program uh, in Europe, 
and of course their cereals uh, breeding program here in, in Saskatchewan. But uh, this will be new and a, an additional investment, new and additional breeding for peas and lentils here in Saskatchewan. Carl Potts is the executive director of the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. This is the Agriculture News and Review for the week of August 15, 2022. The U.S. Department of Agriculture published its August World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates Report. Globally, the USDA projected lower world-ending stocks for wheat and corn, while soybeans saw an increase of 1.8 million metric tons. Of note, soybean production for China increased on higher area, cited in recent provincial reports. The lower corn production number was linked to the extreme heat and dryness in Romania, Hungary, France, Italy, Spain, Slovakia, Bulgaria, and Germany. Meanwhile, the average U.S. yield from soybeans was estimated at 51.9 bushels per acre, up slightly from the estimate last month. While European wheat production has been reduced by drought, the Russian harvest, at least production-wise, is looking good. Michael Wilton with Mercantile Consulting Venture believes the overall global wheat outlook remains favorable. He says there is still talk that India will scrap its 40% duty on imports to tame the record high price for domestic wheat. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo continued to say her government only wants to reduce fertilizer emissions 30% by the end of the decade and not cut fertilizer use by that amount. However, the trust level between the Trudeau government and Western Canadian farmers is strained to say the least. Longtime agrologist Rob Syke is one of those who remains unsure about Ottawa's final plan. Syke said Canadian farmers already have a great track record for nitrogen efficiency use compared to other countries. But he agrees there is room for improvement as new technology is developed. Seeds Canada celebrated its first anniversary at a recent conference by unveiling its plan to reform its regulatory model. Executive Director Barry Sent said the organization is setting up an independent standard-setting body that will work to simplify and modernize the system around seed production and variety registration. He said crop varieties and innovations are being kept from Canadian farmers under the current seed industry's regulatory framework. Seeds Canada was formed in 2021 as an amalgamation of the Canadian Plant Technology Association, Commercial Seed Analysts of Canada, the Canadian Seed Institute and the Canadian Seed Trade Association. Canadian Pacific Railway announced a new two-year collective agreement with the Teamsters Train and Engine Conference following binding arbitration. The new agreement includes a 3.5% wage increase in 2022 and 23 and increased benefits. Under the arbitration decision, the TCRC will also join a CP pension improvement account. The new collective agreement runs through 2023. Saskatchewan wholesale trade is leading the country. The value of trade jumped 65% between June of last year and this year, which was the highest increase among all provinces and well ahead of the national average of 12%. The total value of Saskatchewan wholesale trade reached $4.2 billion as of June. Areas of growth in the past year include manufacturing sales up 25%, building construction investment up 63%, and an increase of 57% in merchandise exports. The Canadian Agricultural Safety Association is raising awareness about the importance of grain safety during harvest with the second annual Be Grain Safe Week. 
Launched back in 2017 in response to increased grain entrapment fatalities, the program worked to heighten awareness and provide training regarding the hazards associated with grain. In support of this year's Be Grain Safe Week, CASA has developed resources including social media posts, public service announcements, and safety advice articles with tips and information on how to be safe around grain. There were 36 asphyxiation-related fatalities on farms across Canada between 2006 and 2015. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.